live from New York, or well, recorded in New York. It's the Adobe and Teardrops podcast, your pal, Rachel Post, bringing you all the alt-country, rock and roll, roots music, and more that I think sounds good. It's the Adobe and Teardrops podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Adobe and Teardrops. I think this is episode 176, but we're recording three weeks in advance and I can't count that high. <laughs> uh, but I'm very excited for our third week of Pride. I'll be speaking with Anastasia Walker, who I met uh, about five years ago exactly, actually. Yeah. Uh, it was my fifth college reunion and it was only Anastasia's first. <laughs> <laughs> every year since you graduated literally no no I just meant that it was like the fifth anniversary of my graduation so I was oh, right. it was the first anniversary of your graduation but that was oh. a bad joke yeah it was and actually it's not quite right either but anyway <laughs> I know, I mean, if you're doing it in five-year increments it'd be like the second one but, okay gotcha yeah yeah. yeah yeah 2014 and we met through a meeting with the the queer alumni group and We've been chatting ever since on Facebook and just checking in about music and stuff. Anastasia is a great music lover, a gorgeous essay that I will link to in the show notes about her vinyl collection and how that is inextricably linked to her life and her transition. So I was wondering, Anastasia, uh, is there anything that you'd like to add? I, you mentioned that you are having a book of poetry coming out. Yeah. Oh, I'm happy to talk about me. <laughs> Yeah, please talk about um, it. All right, well, a little bit. Not, you know, it'll come out over the course of the conversation, too. <laughs> yeah, so Book of Poetry coming out, those have been written over the last, well, the oldest one is like 2010, so it's like pre-transition, but most of them are like in the last six or seven years. And, you know, and it wasn't even something I was thinking about. There's a press, a, a badass feminist press out of Alberta, Canada called Don't Die Press, and I'd published several pieces with them over a few years. And they started a press for books, but it was, you know, like ebooks, right? And they said, you know, just put it together. We can put it up if you like. And, you know, and you take whatever, <laughs> they didn't put it this way, but whatever pennies I got from sales, you know, would come to me. And I was like, oh, that sounds like a pretty good deal. So I sent them a manuscript and they said, oh, I, you know, the gal, a Serjane Cron, whom I, who'd been sort of the one I'd been really interacting with. She said, well, you know, this is long enough for a book. You should try it for a book or consider it. And I said, hadn't even thought about it really I mean I you know I have fantasies about stuff like that right but I mean I hadn't really thought about poetry as something that that would be a, my first book but so she gave me a few editor or presses names and I sent off to one and got a very polite rejection letter sent off to the second one and they said sure and you know we've had a great I've had a great relationship with that editor it's a queer press actually out of New York City what's it BD called studios BD studios mm -hmm. and bees and boy d's and dog and yeah, and he lives in Brooklyn. So, so yeah, and that's been a really good working relationship. So anyway, so, so that is, it's called The Girl Who Wasn't and Is. And yeah, and then just other writing projects coming out, hopefully, you know, shopping a third essay right now, writing a fourth, and also have a memoir called Waking that I've finished drafting. And now it's like the grinding process of searching for, you know, representation, so. <laughs> That's so exciting. <laughs> it's a grind, but it's exciting. Yes. Yeah. 
And I was wondering if, if you're open to talking about it. I think we were quite a few years apart at Haverford. Yeah, that was my 30th reunion, technically, in, in yeah. dog year, or in human years. Not, <laughs> not reunion years. Mm-hmm. Um, I was wondering if you could speak to your experience of what it would have been like, you know, what things were like for you in college or as a young person, because you might not have even had the language of talking about transitioning at that point. That I think is- that's something yeah not quite disgust right no (laughs) um no that's a really interesting question I mean that's kind of been at the heart of a lot of the writing I've been doing has been you know kind of search for kind of almost like a reconstruction of the process of having an identity really you know because and I was thinking about this the other the other morning I woke up at 5 a.m and you know my brain started racing I'm all right, I'm awake, you know, so I started scribbling down some stuff in a journal, and, you know, I was thinking kind of basic thing about identity formation, and, you know, we all know this, right, is when you're, like, three or four years old, you're looking around, and it's, like, what do I see that looks like a mirror to me, you know, in other words, I see a person, or I see an action, or I hear something, and I see part of myself in that person, or that action, or that whatever, you know, and when I grew up, I mean, you know, I've known who I was in, in a basic sense since I was three or four years old, but there wasn't, you know, anybody, anything. And I grew up in a small town in Eastern Maine, you know, so, so actually it was interesting. I remember when we started talking, you know, just chatting online about what this podcast might look like. I was, I had an eye for songs that you know, sort of were part of that identity process, because that's also something I spoke about in that record collection essay, right, is how the records in a way became repository, some of the ones I really loved at least became repositories for bits of myself. You know, I, there was something about the music that spoke to or mirrored something inside of me. So, so yeah, I mean, growing up, that's kind of what it was, you know, so, I mean, I'll talk about the Johnny Cash record in those terms and the love record in those terms, but you know, like I the the song I pulled at the eleventh hour, that Dionne Warwick song, right? <laughs> uh, I I it came out in nineteen sixty seven. I was three years old. I don't know when I first heard it, but it's like one of the first songs I remember hearing when I was growing up. And so it was something about I say a little prayer for the record, just just yeah. so we know the song. And I mean, you know, it's a very sort of mainstream late sixties you know, I don't know, evocation of femininity, right? But there was something about it that just sort of resonated for me as a, you know, as a three, four, five-year-old. And it stuck with me. So I can still remember hearing it and just remember the kind of the feelings that I had hearing it. And, you know, and maybe a Joni Mitchell song like Chelsea Morning was another one that kind of resonated when I was really young, you know? And at that age, right, you don't have the language, but the feeling, it was really just, there's something about that song, the way that person sings it, the emotions that are in the song that just, I felt, and that stuck with me, you know? So by the time, you mentioned Haverford, all right, so we will get to music eventually, no, but yeah. um, <laughs> by the time Haverford comes along, yeah, I mean, I, I, I knew the word, transsexual which was 
you know, that was like as outre a person as you can imagine, right? These are the people, you know, the people who are out on the margins, you know, they're living on the streets, they're, you know, they're in prison, whatever, whatever, whatever. That, you know, the popular perception, I didn't have any other voices telling me that it could be any other way. So I was like, oh, no, 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 uh-uh. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's not me. So that kind of left me in a hard place, right? Because I didn't know what else I was. And, you know, so you hope you're gay. Which is, it turns out I am gay, but not the way I thought I was gay. My thought I was funny, you know. And otherwise, again, it's just like, well, all right. I have this feminine thing in me. I know that those songs you picked are part of your story. And then the songs mm-hmm. I picked were actually just songs that I knew I wanted to cover by recent queer artists. So there is a big generational gap, but I do feel like sonically they they align, I think, in some interesting ways. Not the yeah. first pairing. The first pairing we'll talk about in terms of content. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, contrast was kind of what jumped out at me, but I, I'm going to be really yeah. interested to hear what you have to say because I'm sure yeah. there's more to it than that. But you know those songs better than I, obviously. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, the first one is Long Black Veil by none other than uh, Johnny Cash. And the man <laughs> in could black. not find uh, the version you wanted on YouTube, so you ripped it from your vinyl directly. I did. Well, you, and I you know what, Rachel? your dedication. Well, I mentioned the, you know, the identity piece and, and just looking for parts of yourself. And, you know, when you didn't have any role models, you know, to put it real simply, right? And I remember Johnny Cash, some of my... Dad had that record when we were growing up. It's an older song. It was written, I looked this up. I want to say in the 30s or 40s originally. I don't remember the name of the the artist who wrote it. I didn't necessarily relate to what the person was going through in the song. So as, as everybody will hear, if you're not familiar with the song, right? Somebody is accused of a murder. Everybody who saw the, the person running away from the scene of the crime agreed that it looked a lot like this person. And the guy says, well, you know, I could have saved myself. I had an alibi, but unfortunately it was my best friend's wife. So I didn't say that thing. And he lets himself be executed for the murder. And so, I mean, you know, there was nothing in my experience that was like that, right? I mean, that's a very foreign thing. But the thing that I vibed with was just this really eloquent expression of suffering, you know? which is something that Cash can do really, really well. Have you heard his version of Hurt? Of course, yeah. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) okay. I didn't know much about that album and I bought it for my dad just to have something to listen Uh to in the car other than the Beach Boys and every song. Not there's anything wrong with the Beach Boys, but you need a break. And every song on that album is so dark. (laughs) We listened to the whole thing once and we were all quiet. And then we put the Beatles on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Hurt's about the worst of them, right? They are the, yeah. the darkest of them. But so, yeah, okay. So as a touchstone for your, you know, for folks who probably will be familiar with that. Yeah. So this song isn't quite that bad, but, or mm. quite that dark, but, but it's just, it was an eloquent expression of suffering, you know? And I mean, you know, I'm going through a lot and I, it just kind of resonated with those feelings I had deep inside of myself yeah one one thing that i'm remembering now as we're talking about the song and then i'll talk about the song i picked there is an awesome for anyone who's listening trans history podcast called one from the vaults and 
some of those yeah <laughs> if uh you haven't listened to it yet it's like it's history but like very gossipy and like funny it's like very entertaining while also dealing with some very heavy subjects such as the fate of people who we would now call trans in the past <laughs> but one of the episodes uh, i don't remember the names of the person was about a person who would wear and like kept getting caught wearing like, these long black victorian morning veils that completely covered your face and body and in the podcast uh the host played long black veil and so i don't know if this is something that they discussed or i'm sure i'm not the first person to say these things but i feel like you could queer this song by saying that the person in the long black veil is not a woman and then that's another reason or is maybe you know, dressing as cross-dressing and that you could like queer this song. And it's like, this is why like they can't talk about it. It's not even just because they're cheating. It's because it's like a, a non-heterosexual relationship. <laughs> so, you know, you listen to it, maybe like keep that interpretation in your head, see how you feel about it. <laughs> I'm just making this up. Or maybe I heard someone else say it and that it's just living in my brain somewhere, but that's also a fun game to play is to queer old <laughs> folk and country songs. And then usually I talk about my song second, but I just want to give a little context for this one. It's by Trisha Black, who is a butch uh, comedian and I think sometimes country singer. And she's been releasing music very fre frequently during quarantine, especially the early stages. So this is called Not One of the Boys. And it's introduced with like a kind of skit that I don't think translates very well in podcast land but basically she's playing two different characters herself and like some bro and the bro's like hey did you see that new neighbor like look at the tits on her and like yeah so you'll hear that character towards the end of the song but I wanted to play juxtapose them because I think it's sort of like an interesting commentary on gender ten years ago on a cold dark night Someone was killed neath the town hall lights There were few at the scene But they all agreed that the slayer who ran Looked a lot like me She walks these hills in a long black veil She visits my grave when the night winds wave Nobody knows, nobody sees Nobody knows but me The judge said, son, what is your alibi If you were somewhere else Then you won't have to die I spoke not a word, though it meant my life. I'd been in the arms of my best friend's wife. And <laughs> then I hear somebody applaud. <laughs> now the scaffold is high and eternity's near. She stood in the crowd and shed not a tear. But sometimes at night, when the cold wind moans in a long black veil, she cries over my bones. 
She walks these hills in a long black veil. She visits my grave when the night winds wail. Nobody knows, nobody sees, nobody knows but me. Can I have a glass of water? Let me have a, have a drink of water. I'm about to choke up. That's cocaine blues about gotten. <laughs> we got a special surprise for you fellas, and especially for one fella. In a few minutes, we're going to record a brand new song that I just sang last night for the first time. It was written by somebody here in Folsom Prison. Can I have a drink of water? Last time, last time I was here, I had a drink of water. And uh, I don't know what the hell it run off of. I think it must have run off of Luther's boots or something. Is that water? You promise that's water, huh? Is that water, Bob? <coughs> that's water. You serve everything in 10 cups. He caught it, didn't he? <laughs> Look, you like you're a lesbian. You like girls. You can tell us what you really feel. You're one of the boys. Why does this always happen to me? I'm put in this situation. Far too frequently Cause I'm a lesbian and I like girls They think they can include me in their world But I'm not one of the boys I'm not one of the boys Though I have short hair, look like Elvis, and wear boy cut underwear, I'm not one of the boys. Most days I identify as a female. Though I've got the cheekbone structure of my dad, Bob Black. I've got the body, heart, and soul of my mother, Barb Black. And though I shop for shirts and American Eagle in the men's department, I still shop for bras at Lacenza, cause they always have a bargain. And when I go to the doctor, gotta get a pap smear And those things are fucking terrifying So listen up, you need to hear I'm not one of the 
wish I wasn't fucking little there. I'm not one of the boys. Now I know I'm here to sing. It's true. So here's a little treat. Let's drop a beat. I'm a woman through and through, and I'm a little disappointed in you. Realize that the things you say about women affect me too. Whether cis, trans, or lesbian, we don't want to be gawked, stocked, or cocked. We just want to be equally met. And my jugs are bigger than Annette's. To that, I take offense. Because even though I'm queer, the shit happens to me in the car, at the park, drinking beer at the bar, so I employ you. Even if it annoys you, think before you speak. It's not weak, it's unique to instead tell a girl, hey, I think you're neat. Now I'm done making noise. I've said my truth. I'm the real McCoy. I'm a lesbian. I'm not one of the boys. I'm not one of the boys. I'm not one of the boys. I'm a lesbian. Gender queer lesbian. A fucking lesbian. I blacked out? You blacked out. You said lesbian uh, like at least a thousand times. I said lesbian too much? Oh. Like, it's yeah, okay. it's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. I'm just gonna finish my poem. I'm not one of the I know they sound very different, but what did you think of the song? Well, I laughed for one. I listened to the three songs could you, that you sent to me a little earlier today, just to kind of get a sense of how you were pairing them and what you were thinking about. And in this case, I mean, it is a comedy song. It's a light song, but, you know, with a serious declaration of identity, obviously. But, I mean, just in terms of where I was at when I was young and where she's at now, I mean, completely different right because she's yeah. like lesbian 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 <laughs> you know over and over and over again you know and i'm butch and i'm this i'm not a boy i got you know breasts i got my body's female but you know i like that you know didn't couldn't be any more out and proud than you know, <laughs> right and i mean so it was it was really it was it was funny and it was refreshing and we talked too about the generational difference and you know that just in terms of identity, she's out, you know, and here it is. Here's who I am. I'm not this, I'm this. And, you know, straight out, no filters, no, you know, veils, if you like. <laughs> no long black ones either. <laughs> no, no any veils, right. Yeah, it's like, here I am, you know. So, I mean, those are preliminary thoughts and the generational thing, as I said. Yeah, you know, what's it been like for you in like the last like, I don't know, like five years or so as like discussions about trans identities and non-binary identities have become like more normalized, even though, you know, the violence and the hate against trans people, especially trans women is, you know, more intense and deadly than ever. But at the same time, we're also seeing a lot of acceptance 
<clears throat> you know, I kind of got over my shock <laughs> after. All right, so I, I started coming out. I guess it's been almost 10 years since, you know, first time I was like out, out in public and doing anything. So, you know, I've had a little while to adjust and I was still very jittery for, you know, the first several years. 2014, you know, I basically came out to everybody and changed my name and all that. But it's really only been the last couple of years that I've, you know, like on social media and whatnot felt free to, you know, just declare and just chime in and, you know, like I'm in my indivisible group here in Western PA, you know, my community just, I don't post a lot of trans stuff on that website on our Facebook group, but you know, I, I put up our governor Wolf, you know, the Pennsylvania governor, he's, he put out a thing about, you know, we need the Equality Act here in PA and whatnot. And I just, I post this like, hey, he's right. We need this. You yeah. Know? He's a real one. <laughs> on yeah. Some issues, at least. Yeah. No, he's, yeah. He's been good. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, but that's been a process because I've been, I mean, kind of, I mean, there's a whole lot of trauma going back mm. and tr- just trusting, you know, that you can be out in the world and, you know, I don't know, not have the crap beat out of you or, or, you know, that was just, I'm, you know, <clears throat> those first several times when I'm, mm-hmm. I'm out, you know, I'm starting to present differently and I'm like, <laughs> you know, oh, oh my God, you know, somebody's going to come around the corner and kill me or something, you know, of course that didn't happen because there I am. And, and I think it's probably not as hard for folks your age and younger, you know, only because, you know, you've grown up with more visibility and acceptance and, you know, so... Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's been, it's been time, you know, and I've had to, I don't know, just like go of a lot of fear. Mm. Yeah. It's been interesting for me. I'm just starting to see students who are trans or tell us that they're trans in the last year or so at the college level. It's a community college in the South Bronx. So I think for a lot of reasons, uh, students might not be uh, as comfortable coming out as trans. Yeah, uh, and it, it's interesting too. Some of the volunteering I've done here in the Pittsburgh area. So I, I co-facilitated a youth night for about a year and a half, and you know, mostly you know junior high and high school kids from Pittsburgh area schools, and you know, some of the stories they would tell. You know, and you could tell some of them. I mean, they were there were some kids there who were really traumatized and you know just having a tough time with life. So yeah, I mean, it's to your point, right? But it's interesting too, Rachel, you know, I, I'm remembering another volunteer gig I had was at a children's hospital here in, uh, or children and young adult hospital here in um, the city. And it was trans buddy is what it was called, where we would basically meet up with the patients who were coming, you know, young clients, should say really coming in and their parents if they were there mm-hmm. as well. And, you know, Pittsburgh's a bit of a hub. Western PA outside of Allegheny County is Trump country. So. Yeah. You know, <laughs> any for politically about Western PA, you know, this it's crazy out here, you know. So, but these folks, so a lot of these folks were coming in. I remember one family, parents were real sweet, or maybe it was just the mom, and the 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 young client was, I want to say high school age. And they were getting some pretty good support in their community. But it was like this little small city, big town, right down on the Maryland border, about two hours south and east of 
Pittsburgh. So you never know, I guess, yeah. you know, it depends on the person, depends on the community, you know, that same person, you know, I don't know, three towns away could be hiding. Mm-hmm. You know? So. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think there's a lot of dialogue on like, there's more trans and non-binary people, there are fewer butches and all this stuff, but I think like, it's just mm-hmm. not, not a good use of time. <laughs> you know? Right, right. Like, uh, I think like younger people should, they still need to figure it out. You know, I had a friend at Haverford who identified as bi before then, you know, identified as straight. And like, I think we need to like allow people to have that time of trying it, you know? (laughs) And yeah, I just think like if some people are butch and then, you know, change their identification or come to understand more about their gender, awesome like why are we mad about that <laughs> right right and i like i like that self-correction because i think that's absolutely it you know is it's it is a journey you know and to your earlier point too right about all kinds of things prevent people from coming out or whatnot all kinds of things prevent you from seeing yourself a particular mm-hmm. way you know family stuff community stuff and how you're wired to obviously yeah know? so I, I'm thinking, you know, when you're saying that too, just real quick, a young friend here in the city who is, she's 20, in her early 20s now, and has kind of usually presents as female, but kind of swings back and forth a little bit. And, you know, it's just kind of, is trying, yes, coming to embrace being gender fluid. And just from conversations with her and then just things she's posted on Facebook, she's getting a lot of flack for that. It's like, <laughs> somebody's brave enough to be themselves, WTF, you know? And that's not an easy, that's not an easy subject position to, to declare. Yeah. Now, gender non-binary, people don't get it. I yeah, mean, I mean, especially because- at a certain point, right? Sorry. Yeah, we're still trying to figure out how not to be shitty to buy people, <laughs> so. That was a revelation to me. Oh my God, the amount yeah. of shit that they take almost as bad as what we get i mean as a group <laughs> braver um, than u.s marines well maybe <laughs> braver than naval officers <laughs> but yeah oh good vault yeah no, <laughs> no i 100 agree good on you i yeah. mean just let people figure themselves out embrace them and you know this world is hard enough with all these assholes on the right so yes yeah and then yeah you don't need um, to be getting it from your own community yeah, sometimes you can say things and you learn more about yourself and it changes. And yeah, I hope that's a takeaway we can <laughs> from uh, our conversation today for people who are listening. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I could just be a, a just a, a reminder of the bad old days too. You, you know, you do not want to go back to the 1970s if you're queer. Yeah. <laughs> you do not. I don't care how much you like disco. Don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, speaking of the 1970s, I don't know anything about love or Alone Again. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Tell me more about them. <laughs> All right. Okay, okay, okay. This record was one of the records that I fell in love with almost immediately and have loved ever since. I mean, you know, pun, un- pun not averted because of the name of the group. <clears throat> All right. It's they were an LA group 
came to being, I don't know, late 65, early 1966, a little bit right around the time of the bird. Did a folk rock punk album, which had a cover of My Little Red Book, you know that song? Mm. The old bird back rack tune. Speaking of, you know, the the Dion Warwick song, which is also Burt Bacharach, ironically. Yeah, so they did a punky version of My Little Red Book, and then a lot of folk rock on that record. And then they did another record that had kind of some jazzy stuff and whatnot. And then Forever Changes comes out. And I mean, I think Alone Again Or, which was a single off the record, which was the first track off the record, epitomizes the sound of a lot of it. I mean, it's very sort of haunted is the best word I can think of, you know? So Lee was... As my as my second ex, the, who was who grew up in New York, used to call, say a mixed bunny, so mixed race, in other words, and person of color, living in LA, mixing in the counterculture in LA, which is predominantly white and also relatively affluent. So he's a bit of an outsider that way, and he was kind of a haunted dude too, obviously, dude too rather, obviously. And so this whole record has that kind of just vibe of. It's like, it's almost like muted menace in a way, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's that music where you hear it and it just makes you feel, it kind of awakens something deep inside you that's, I don't want to say dark, well, a little dark, yeah, shadow, it's like, it's like sort of your shadowy inner life, it's, you know, it kind of gives expression to that in a way, anyway feeling profoundly isolated so to just again connected to to identity in a small town in eastern maine in the you know 60s and 70s as i was growing up no internet no representation anywhere in the media who the fuck am i what the fuck am i for that matter and then to get this record when i was in high school you know with the mixed bunny who's the lead singer you know just singing all these really eerie haunted passionate songs and it's like that was the soundtrack of my high school isolation you know just you know it's like this music from the from the lonely depths which is where i felt like i was living kind of my my true self was was living Yeah. 
They don't see you the way I do For them it's black and white For us it's technicolor Watching eyes on your every move They'll tell you who to be Cause they don't know the other side The wild in your eyes That thing only you can recognize I'll meet you in the forest I'll meet you where the wild things grow and we can go explore it underneath the midnight glow just let the darkest of night ease your mind free your soul meet you in the forest let's let this wild thing In your eyes I see evergreen And fields of marigolds that they go on forever When we're there you and I are kings There's nothing left to prove so darling Don't you ever go thinking no one cares just call my name And anytime you're scared I'll meet you in the forest Meet you where the wild thing grows And we can go explore it Underneath the midnight glow so Let the darkest of night Ease your mind Free your soul Meet you in the forest Let's let this wild thing grow mm -hmm. It's in your heart, in your mind It's every day, it's every night It's anywhere and everywhere you in the forest I'll meet you where the wild things grow I'll meet you in the forest I'll meet you where the wild things grow and we can go explore it underneath the midnight glow just let the darkest of nights ease your mind free so I meet you in the forest Let's let this wild thing you in the forest 
Meet you in the forest. 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 By contrast, I guess a lot of the songs I picked were trying to kind of lighten things up, but I think that's okay. It was Fancy oh, Haygood's Forest from Southern Curiosity. Fancy grew up singing gospel and all this stuff. And he went out to LA as soon as he finished uh, his like music degree in college and had like a pop music career going, but that ended. So he went to Nashville and was like, wait, I should be making the music that speaks truth to me. And I grew up around country music. So why can't I be a gay man who sings country music? The album came out like a month ago. So I was waiting for Pride to really get into it. I thought that this song Forrest talked a little bit more about his gender presentation. He's kind of like a mm, curvier dude. Yeah. <laughs> and like very into like a sort of a glittery presentation. But Forrest was not that song and I couldn't figure out which one it was or maybe he has it. I don't know. But I do think if you watch his music videos, he does have so many different body types in those videos, which I think is really cool. It's not just like the shredded gay hunk so most of his yeah and he's great he's very handsome as well most of his music is kind of very reminiscent of like elton john and freddie mercury mercury and like if you listen to mr atlanta which maybe i'll throw in for patreon subscribers like you won't get it out of your head ever again (laughs) it's great but forest is a lot more relaxed but i think relaxed and like a meditative i guess but i think it also really speaks to queer desire in an interesting way that i haven't really seen so much especially in like music that's styling itself after like pop country so Mm -hmm. that's why i picked that one and i i feel like it i mean it pairs well with the love song because Mm -hmm. you know i'll be alone again tonight my dear and you know and here he is saying and this is a connection i saw when i listened or heard yeah listen to it you know it's like I, and I don't remember the exact words he uses because I just heard it the one time, but, you know, maybe we could be together. Maybe you're the person I can be together with, you know? So there's a sense of possibility there, a sense of, you know, this could happen. The, the Lee song, you know, the love song doesn't really have, you know, I'll be alone again. You yeah. know, there is the word or at the end of the title, which kind of throws it off a little bit, but it's pretty tentative at best. <laughs> Yeah, and then let's talk about Talking With You. This was a very fun album cover. (laughs) (laughs) All right, speak to that. I want to know why you think that. I mean, I I look at it again. I looked at it very briefly. I think, so the album, this is Penelope Houston, and the album is called Bird Boys. Mm -hmm. And it was just very, like, 70s to me. Oh, it's on Bandcamp. Yeah, she's released a bunch of records since then. Interesting. Yeah. It's it's funny looking at this, like this could have been an album cover that somebody made like yesterday because the 70s are so like in again, the 70s and the 80s. So there's like a a blonde woman with like autumn leaves scattered all over her body and she's wearing like a like a camisole sort of with these like intense flowers glued (laughs) along the collar. And there's like a backdrop that's brown with like a, like it looks like a wood carving or something of like bugs. (laughs) Yeah, so there's a lot happening there. And I feel like that adequately describes the music too. 
Yeah, you know, it's like, well, for me, it's interesting. So you're coming to this new, I get it. Yeah. She was, so that album came out in the late 80s. I think it was 88. Mm-hmm. And she had been the lead singer in an LA, or sorry, San Francisco punk band called The Avengers. Oh, cool. Yeah. So they have a song, We Are The One, I think was their single. And there was another song called Car Crash. You know, you've been in a car crash, your head's been smashed. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. you know, it's, it's like, 70 you know it's late 70s punk basically and so here we are 10 years later and give or take it's just doing this you know very sort of meditative pretty folky pop music really and I remember when I first heard it I mean I so it was it was one of those records that landed at the time as a you know I, I really embraced punk and post-punk when I went to Haverford, you know, that's when I first really heard punk for the first time, so I, I still have the Dead Kennedys record I bought from then, and, you know, and I was a real Anglophile, so, you know, Sex Pistols, The Clash, Stiff Little Fingers, blah, 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 and I still have records by all those groups, I still like those groups, you know, but, so, by this point, that's, you know, I graduated in 86, this is, you know, two or three years later, I'm married, I'm living in Birmingham, Alabama, that's a whole different story mm-hmm. and is when I first heard this record and, and I'm feeling like you know all that youthful angst from the punk stuff you know which she was a part of when she was younger well here's here's what somebody who had been in that can evolve into right can grow into and I'm like well I'm in this relationship and you know and it didn't last you know largely because of just you know what I was going through and repressing and not fully sharing I did share in part with my first ex but you know just a sense of possibility and and I feel too like she was in a way I mentioned the word role model earlier right so here's somebody who in a way is I probably I don't think I was consciously thinking but at the time this way but I mean she was kind of like a bit of a role model you know just somebody who had gone through angst and was now kind of expressing stuff a little more maturely and, and whatnot. And, and I was saying right before, you know, we started, it was a little earlier. I was looking through my stacks for like other artists like that. And the other one that came to mind was Sandy Denny. Mm. You know no, sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> Our generation gap is really showing. Have you heard of Fairport Convention? Yes. I, I'm not doing this to embarrass you, Rachel. I'm just curious. No, no, yes. You have. Okay. Well, she was the lead, she was the lead singer for a few okay. of the early Fairport Convention records so and again just just a strong woman vocalist you know just just somebody who I remember just sort of embracing and who again kind of spoke to me emotionally I guess so so I it's kind of again that kind of you know looking for your identity wherever you can find it things that resonate with you so yeah yeah so let's take a listen with Talking With You by Penelope Houston
after Penelope Houston, we heard Gary Cocker's new song, I Want You to Be My Man, from The Sweep of Reason. In my notes, I wrote London next to it. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know how I came London. across. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I came across this song, but I think it's very sweet, and I like the kind of Brit pop sounds, so I felt like it worked well with Penelope Houston. Yeah, two yeah. pretty upbeat songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I liked his song. I'm yeah. glad he chose that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Before we finish, let's do all the kind of housekeeping stuff. Anastasia, if people want to like find out more about you and your projects, how can they do that? Anastasia, S is in Sterling, walker.blogspot.com, I think is the thing. You can post, if you post it, that'll be great in case yes. I misremember it. Okay. Um, so I can send that to you. So, yes, thank yeah, you. It <laughs> has a list of publications, some videos. I did some um, readings of the poems that'll be in the book. Um, just made a, some homemade videos and posted those in the videos tab. And that's some other stuff, some silliness, because I'm not all serious. So. <laughs> yeah, so I will link to it in the transcripts yeah. that we'll be making and, of course, in the show notes. And yeah, so for Adobe and Teardrops, there will be a link tree in the show notes with all my different social medias. You can send me music through SubmitHub. It is Pride, so feel free to buy yourself a copy of Rainbow Rodeo, just a country, queer country music zine. There are t-shirts, there's a Patreon, there's a Kofi. There's lots of ways to give me money. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that. For SubmitHub, uh, you don't have to pay to use it. I think a lot of people don't realize that. But send me music for free because I will listen to it. Anastasia Submit Hub is like a, a portal that people can like send their music through and you can pay like like a dollar per like website that you send it to. And they okay. so my job is to say why I don't like it or to put it on the site. So first let's talk about Emily Davis and the murder police. Emily Davis is a lead singer of this band that is out of El Paso, Texas, which I think is not necessarily known for its music scene. But this, I feel like, actually, I was debating if I should have put this with the Penelope Houston song, because I think it also has like that kind of mm, frantic experimental punk energy, kind of. And from what I can tell, Emily is non-binary, or at least uses they, them pronouns. So why not pump their music up for pride? There are a lot of anthems on here about all kinds of different things, including climate change. But I picked Bloodlines because for me, I think this song is more ambiguous, but I picked it for positive reasons in the sense that it's sort of about finding the strength within us to move forward. And, you know, even with the ancestors who you don't even know were there. Mm. Something I've been thinking about lately a lot is about my Jewish identity and how I just don't really feel that much connection to it. But like my dad, of all people who voted for Trump, <laughs> like he offered to take me to the New York Historical Society's exhibit on Gay Fire Island which is like a beautiful moment to happen that I never expected. <laughs> but looking at those pictures of like just people hanging out on the beach, like makes me feel so emotional, especially because, you know, we have to assume that a lot of the men who were there in the fifties probably didn't live past the eighties for various reasons. So. Well, AIDS yeah. being the big one. The big course. one. Yeah. And, Although and, at that point yeah. they might've been you know, older regardless, but yeah. Definitely. And, uh, well, your point is taken, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, if they, they're in their 30s and their 20s and 30s and the 50s. So, but yeah, I'm sure AIDS <laughs> impacted their lives too. Well, you know, um, my, yeah. I, Rachel, I have to interject. My mom has this saying, I'm going to quote my mother. 
Please do. <laughs> I like to say, it's, I think it's so cute. Just because there's snow on the roof doesn't mean there's not a fire in the hearth. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, so let's listen to Emily Davis and the murder police with bloodlines. And then as we were talking about gender identity, I, I feel silly for not putting this song in there, but Rascal Miles who's a singer songwriter out of Portland, wrote a beautiful song about like the weirdness and, you know, exaltation of top surgery. So we'll listen to Taylor Made after that and end the episode with that song. So yeah, thanks for listening, listeners. Anastasia, thanks so much for coming. Thank you for inviting me. It was a pleasure. Nice to see you. Likewise, in music we trust, in music we believe, happy pride, be safe out there while you're partying. (laughs) all right that was fun